you think it's murder. I mean, clearly it's murder. What can I do to help? Hello and welcome to the Split Screen Podcast. Uh, I am the Editor-in-Chief of 5 out of 10, Alan Williamson. I'm joined, as always, by the Design Editor of 5 out of 10 and Majestic Master of Mayhem, Craig Wilson. That's Detective Chief Sergeant Private Craig Wilson. Detective Chief, are you a, are you a police officer now? Uh, I think so. I think we've proven by sending each other the notes we made on this game that we're actually pretty well placed to be solving crimes. So this time we are talking about her story. Um, which is a new game what came out a couple of weeks ago. So it's quite unusual for us to actually be recording a podcast about a game that came out in the past decade. So it's a pleasant surprise. That's all right, because it will take me about a year to edit it. So it will be back to our okay. usual timeliness. Good, good. It'll be in line with the latest <laughs> latest Valve release. <laughs> um, so yeah, her story this week. Next week we'll be covering Bioshock. And the week after that will be the original Age of Empires. But for today, we'll try and keep it contemporary. So um, I played this, oh, pretty much the day I came out. Because um, I just got back from Barcelona and I had a day off work. And um, I've been talking to, I went on holiday with Joe Martin, the ex-game journalist. And he said, oh, this game, her story is coming out. It's by Sam Barlow, who worked on Silent Hill Shattered Memories um, and some other interesting story-driven games. Like Ghost Rider. Released in 2007. Ghost Rider? Is that not the... the you mean the, the, the movie starring Nicolas Cage? He also did... Apparently he was a designer on series Sam. Next Encounter. That's oh, okay. his early roots. Fair enough. But, um... So this came out and I was like, well, £25, I'll give it a crack. And I sat down for three hours to play it and I could not tear myself away from the computer. Um, and I just about managed to get to the end before my bladder exploded. And then I said, Craig, Craig, you have to play this. We can, this is something we can actually record a podcast about. <laughs> oh, my God. They, we're, put, we're putting the band back together. Well, it was that type of excellent recommendation, which was just a single text which said, play her story, talk to no one, read nothing about it. <laughs> and... Only talk to me. I am, I am your friend. <laughs> Only talk to me. Um, and so I similarly got back from holiday, picked it up, and just the other night, in fact, um, sat down and thought, all right, I've heard this is four or five hours worth, or well, a couple hours worth. Yeah, I'll just sit and then, yeah, similarly, just one one session from beginning to end. It is the perfect kind of short story novella game, where I think any break in the action, so to speak, would actually diminish quite a lot from it because it you get swept up in it. I got found myself completely swept up in it. And it's a very short ride, but very enjoyable one. So, just to check, did you like this game? Uh, I did indeed like this game. Good. I, I it... like it from the point of what it does technically, which is actually something very old. It's a full motion video game. Yeah, yeah, back in the 90s. And I like it from the the actual plot narrative content of the game as well. Like I enjoyed the story and how you interacted with it and the meta thing. It, I, I will make comparisons, of course, to portal at point <laughs> oh for heaven's um, sake only because that's all i can do but also <laughs> because it, it, it had that i was joking about the valve reference you're like ah and i think you'll find it's a lot like left for dead because someone is dead in her story oh jesus Craig, well, <laughs> stop for, stop it for me it has we'll get into that later we'll get into that later. i think we should just set up what the general premise <laughs> of the game is for now and also obviously this is going to be uh um I say spoiler. We're going to talk about the game. I, so I, it is a game that is best coming into blind. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, that's why I said to you, don't read anything about this. Just go and buy it. And if you'd said that was absolute pish, I would have just, you know, PayPal'd you a fiver. But um, I went into it completely blind. And I think I enjoyed it a lot more for that because you didn't have any um, presuppositions about what was going to happen. So we are going to talk about it quite frankly. We will discuss the ending and the other various things, even though the ending's a little ambiguous, that's a story in itself. But well, I think um, it's it's the route towards the ending, and yeah, and for me, like I didn't know what the boundaries of the actual game were either, let alone the objective. I mean, I really want we should really just go in from this from a start, middle, and end. Yeah, absolutely. Point of view. But yeah, just to say to anybody who has not played her story yet, um, I think you should pause this podcast and go play it first because you will enjoy the game more when you get to discover it for yourself. 
Um, that being said, general overview, yeah, uh, or general premise of the game, you load it up and you're presented with a very old computer interface, and uh, it is a police computer, and there's a program open which is searches the archives of the interviews that they've made of these video interviews, and you can type in a word, and it will come back with certain video clips. You watch those clips. All of those clips are the interview of this one woman who is. Played by uh, Viva Seifert. Seifert. Probably, probably shouldn't have tried to mention her name if you couldn't pronounce it. I would have. <laughs> I wouldn't have tried. But... Well, you see, you see, it's it's the same um, women, and when you load it up, the word murder is populated in the search field, and there's four clips, mm-hmm. and that starts with the first one: her reporting that her husband is missing, and you see that they're all taken on different days, and as you watch you to the four tiny clips. Uh, you then ends with her saying something along the lines of... I'd like to speak to a lawyer now. Please. You have no murder weapon. You have nothing. And all these stories we've been telling each other. Just that. Stories. So, that that was great. Like, I love that just as the... The, the setup of okay well what's the murder or what's the crime is it a murder how is this person involved what's the outcome of this and like i didn't know what stage we were at i was i was convinced at some point in the game it was then going to switch and i was either going to go back into the interview room and she was either going to be there or it was going to be some kind of like i was like an active part of the investigation mm-hmm like I'm almost like being dropped into the case, so it's like do your backstory, and then there was going to be some flips. So I re. So you thought this was actively going on because it does tell you pretty much in the readme file that you're looking through old archives from years ago, and, exactly. it, is, and it is set in the the present day. So that's exactly, that's exactly. Si- simply was, a failure of comprehension in, in your part. It, it possibly is, but I I I knew it was in the past. I knew it's in the nineties. It's all the the video um, timestamps are in the ninety yeah ninety four uh, I think um yeah or sometime in the past yeah and. But I I expected there to be some kind of, and this is now what you have to do with all this information. And presumably, you know, I'm thinking from a game point of view, like I want to be thorough here because I knew it wasn't going to come to some sort of question and answer quiz at the end. And it's like, you got six out of ten. Oh, she got away. She's killed again. Uh, did, I ever, did I ever tell you about um, Trivial Pursuit for the Master System? Okay, so we... So, no, 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 no <laughs> that's, yeah. That's not set up. Did I ever thing, tell no. you about Cluedo for the Super Nintendo? No, it is. It is. I'll tell you about Ludo on the Game Boy. So, okay, so uh, Trivial Pursuit for the Master System. Um, it asks you questions, but instead of getting you to choose the answer with the controller, it pauses, then it tells you the answer, and it says, did you get it right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I always got it right. I was really good at Trivial Pursuit in the Master System. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but this this doesn't do that. I mean, it, it drops you in. It gives you it gives you the word murder, so you know a murder has occurred. And from that, you need to use essentially your googling skills. That's one of the things I like about it. Is anybody because <laughs> anybody that can Google can play this game. It's a Google em up. That's exactly right. Yeah. And um, so you get a few clips from murder, and then if you're like me, you have a little page of notes. Um, I've written down things like you know, I've got stuff like Simon. Likes blondes, wrote down some of the clothes he was wearing, Helen the barmaid, Eric and Diane. And it's interesting because all of the things you write down at the start don't really have a lot to do with what's going on. And it's you you think you're getting a uh, you think you're piecing together what happens, and then mm-hmm. gradually evidence starts to get a bit more contradictory. So you might think, Oh, I'll search for Simon, oh then I'll search for Helen, then I'll search for XYZ, I'll search for the rock, the bar they were at. And so it sort of um, works its way out from there, and you're gradually trying to ease your way through these clips and, and really just make sense of what's happened. It's the Rockington Arms, the Rock. It's run by a nice couple, Peter and Susan. Um, yeah, and, and then and there are there are certain clips that are um, more enlightening than others, and then it um, you know that because it triggers a little sequence. Where you'll see like police sirens going on, or you'll see your a reflection of yourself kind of ease back in, in front of the screen and that really that made me jump the first time because I thought it was like a ghost or something exactly <laughs> coming out so, of the screen I went ah <laughs> so if if you know to, I'll explain the the, the 
the portal metaphor now, right? Or a comparison. Ah, uh, yeah, get it out because of the way. Yeah. For me, there is there's always like the two stories in a game. I think it's Eric Wolpa is who I've stolen this from. You've got the game story, which is what you're physically doing, how you interact, what the mechanics are, and then you've got the story story. So why portal really works is that the story story is that you are a uh fuck everyone knows the, the plot of portal right yes yes <laughs> you're, you're you're someone um completing tests for a ruthless ai who's only interested in making tests for you to complete and then the actual game story is that you're solving these puzzles using the portal gun um developed only so that you can solve puzzles so there's like a nice alignment between those two for me, that worked really well here because the game story is that you are a person searching through these video archives. But as much of the game for me took place outside of the PC, and we've both done it. We both made pretty extensive notes um, that guided the way we played it. And I just like that so that, you know, it's, it's, it's quite easy to align it because it's a PC interface on both sides. But those little moments, the reflection or the police siren, or just the sound, ambient sound of these um, fluorescent tube lights clicking on and off, yeah. um, completely, completely um, took me into the story and that world to the point where, when um, once the conclusion uh, reveals itself, the the sort of meta—I don't know if it's a meta game—but ultimately the character who you are playing. Um, that that gave it such an interesting, satisfying twist that I wasn't expecting. No, it was... Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the whole thing was really good, and I did try to turn off the, the filter effect type stuff, but I ended up leaving it on, because I quite liked that, that grotty CRT feel. I think that, yeah, you're right, that the thing you're doing aligns with what the character's doing a lot better, and that's what um, that's really makes it work. I think with a lot of those things, like... So something like Papers, Please, right? You play a border guard stamping things but you don't you know you're still playing a video game and there's a there's an artifice to it mm-hmm. whereas this you're doing exactly the same thing that person would be doing you you are working through a computer database and searching for clips and it's just totally plausible yeah you know if, if it weren't if you were in a police station doing that you'd be carrying out exactly the same actions on the same system that's what makes it work so well it mm-hmm. it is um it's like it's the most ungamey way of setting up a game and okay, I mean, and you yeah. get away with that because you know, you're looking through a video database and a computer and it doesn't sound particularly exciting, but that's it's just a very, it's been it's a clever way of setting it up. But what what I find particularly interesting about it, and it's, it's kind of a subtlety, is that you do start off, where where, where, where you reach that conclusion of what the, your protagonist character is, is ultimately a different, if you think of where you start from, it's different, right? Because she's going into there knowing what she's looking for. Yeah, and you're knowing 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 the context of it, and you're you are um, ignorant of what this world is and who the characters are. Yeah, so the character that you play knows the ending before they go in, or at least knows the knows the answer. Yeah, knows knows yeah knows the the question that they're trying to answer, um, and then by the end of the game, you are you are at that same you've converged with that character, and you're at that same point. I can't really think of many other games that do that. I'm not saying it's something that needs to be done, but it was just again that. What it leaves you on, like the the ending of a game, the ending of a story, ending of a movie is so important. I feel like the that little neat little ending um actually made the game so much more for me as a whole. Um and I enjoyed the whole thing. Um I get it it, it would be a bit like if you started playing Gone Home and you didn't know that you were that girl's sister mm-hmm. and it revealed that at the end. That you, you there was an additional layer of connection that you didn't um you you didn't know about i don't think that yeah. works because the way obviously they told the story is if you are this girl and you are going home and it wouldn't yeah, work that way you, but it but it's a similar kind it'd be a similar kind of twist yeah and you but you have a, a literal physical presence and effect in the world yeah. and gone home whereas here like you have no effect all you're doing is is learning the story so let's so let's talk about that then right because from a technical point of view, what I found quite cool was because you are searching for keywords to pull up, yeah, pull up a video. And exactly at the start, like I'm looking at my notes, I had the same same notes as you. I wrote down like mm-hmm. Simon Ernst, uh, Helen, The Rock, yeah, you know, Coke, 
Cavalier, Van, Visa, Diane. Glass which of your, which of your, no, oh, you're, I'm looking at numbered post, numbered post it note number one. Uh, okay. Yeah. Num- yeah. Post it note number one. Um, and I was writing down these keywords because as you're watching the clips, you're just, and I think it's really, I don't know how, I wonder it must have been quite difficult to do, but to write the dialogue in such a way that it's, they're, they're showing you what the next breadcrumb is. I love that you're spoiling the spoiling the fuck out of um the game by uh, <laughs> writing the 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 ending of the game is in note sixteen. So I'm just gonna flag that up well, so you don't like set it as the uh, banner yeah, image of the, the image. website. <laughs> but um, there, that that at the beginning we probably went down the same path, but it very it opens up completely, and then you've really depending on how you want to approach solving this uh, or carrying on this investigation. Mm-hmm. You you will completely populate different parts of the story if you imagine it as a, a timeline. Right. I feel like we're doing you the could... thing. I think I feel like we're doing the thing we always do, which is we explain what happens at the end of the game and we don't put any context. And only people okay. who have played this game. Okay. So okay. The setup is that there are seven interviews conducted with this woman, um, mm-hmm. and those interviews are split up into lots of different chunks. You can search for terms like so. You could search for Hannah, which is her name. You search for Simon, her husband's name, and it. Um, the game has the entire transcript of the interview, so you're searching for what she is saying in the interviews. So if you search for Simon, all of the clips where she says Simon will come up. Um, and it's up to you to put in multiple search terms. So you might put in uh, Simon guitar, and that'll come up with all the time she talks about Simon playing the guitar or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so actually, um, in terms of the way the game's designed, um, you've got a script of these seven interviews. And you can watch them back to back and people have pieced them together in YouTube. But actually, what makes this a cleverly designed game isn't the isn't so much the setting, it is the editing. It's the way that the clips are have been fragmented that makes it very, very clever. Because actually, when you think about the way video games are constructed, although they're cinematic, there's not a lot of editing nuance to them. Because it tends to go cutscene, it drops you into the game, that goes for as long as it you know, goes. But um Whenever you're a film producer, um, the edits are the most important thing. It's those cuts that build up the language of a scene. It's, like, it's almost like the grammar of the scene, if you like. Yeah. Um, and, and that's how you get from from A to B. And so this this game is clever and it works very well because of the way it has constructed those edits and the way it's very carefully designed so you can piece things together. Because you can look at any clip you want. You can type in any word you like from step one and you can get to the ending sort of but you're going to need to you're going to need to investigate these things because it never reveals the entire ending in one piece even you need to watch 50 60 clips to piece together the story yourself and so you are you almost are like an editor you're trying to piece together the story and, and figure out what's being said through the clips and if you i think if you watched if you watched all seven interviews back to front you, you probably would figure it out quite quickly but that's part of the fun is figuring out where to search and how to piece this story together. That's why we've started making notes because mm-hmm. you couldn't you couldn't do it all in your head. And so for for me there although there is a a, a kind of end state because it's ambiguous like whether or not this woman is telling the truth and whether or not um well, let's just let's just let's just lay out like a I can't I can't talk about this without just doing all the plot stuff, right? So well, let's, just, just, let's just let's just talk about just, it. We've already warned people. So um, Hannah is the woman who reports her husband missing. She gives an alibi um, for why she's not involved. It increasingly looks more suspicious. She then begins telling a story about her secret twin sister Eve, who was taken away at childbirth and raised. Across the street, am I remembering that right? Yes, effectively. Yes, yeah. By by the midwife, uh, in secrecy, and Hannah and Eve would play together and very much do the sister act thing of swapping places, and essentially they try to live one life, and they keep. Uh, there's a lot of talk about keeping a, a incredibly detailed diary, mm-hmm. so that both of them are very literally on the same page and can hand their life across to the other and who goes off and lives it for a bit. Uh, there's a lot of talk of reflections and then secret codes that they have where she's tapping out. Is it Morse code? I imagine it's Morse No, it's, code. A, it's a knock code. It's not Morse code. Hannah, Hannah. 
the, the, the twin element then plays into their relationship with Simon. And then there's, there's like pregnancies, there's failed pregnancies, then jealousy um, enters into it. And then ultimately there's um, a murder of Simon by Hannah. Mm-hmm. And throughout the interview, then you're kind of left with, it's very much Eve who's talking to you or talk, giving the interview saying that you've got the wrong person because Eve is a completely new human being with no record. So you can't pin the murder on her because it was Hannah who presumably has either fled or is dead. I couldn't tell. There's a lot of ambiguity, I feel, at the end. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, one of the things that people have trouble figuring out is whether it's one person or two. And that... you see in page two of my notes that that is exactly what I was trying to do because there are there are seven interviews. The first four, I think, are with Hannah and the last ones are with Eve. And you can tell because Eve plays the guitar um, and she also has a tattoo that mm-hmm. um, Hannah doesn't have. And that is, you know, people are like, oh, no, it's, it's, it's one person. They've got, they've got a split identity. And, and that made me doubt my own conclusion because I thought, well, it's two people. Because, you yeah. know, one, one's got a tattoo and one doesn't. Seems pretty clear cut to me. Um, and, you know, that I, I said it was two people. And then I spoke to Joe Martin because he played it the same day. And I spoke to Rick Lane as well. And they were like, oh, it's two people. It's two people. And I was like, oh, thank you. I thought I was going mad had gone into neogaf and made, made the mistake of listening to the <laughs> internet dummies that said it was one person well um, you see for me i do think you could tell there's i don't think it is either way like i think if i think you can draw conclusions that will present a pretty strong argument for both it's ambiguous like, that's that's the whole it, point for me though playing through it i never once questioned that it was one person with with some kind of split personality but you you never um, thought it was that no, it was no. I always thought fin- it was. I only thought it was. I always thought it was two as well. I went, oh, it's twin, uh, like it's twins, and then, oh, they're they were living the same life, and that conclusion. It was only after finishing the game, and reflecting on it, like when, oh, okay, I guess that could have been an outcome. But I made, I, I built the the evidence, and this is where because you can search, and build the story in a different sequence. I think you will become familiar with your own argument and sort of embolstered by it yeah um, and you go so i made like specific notes there's like a very uh, there's a part where the she gets asked for coffee black coffee thanks no sugar sweet enough as it is mm-hmm. do you notice this so she gets yeah asked she for asks for tea twice. or coffee and sometimes she says yeah one of them yeah, doesn't so- like coffee and one of them does coffee i guess milk and sugar well, yeah, but well, no. One time she asks for it black, and the other time she asks for it with milk and sugar. Mm-hmm. When she says black, she's like, "Oh, I'm sweet enough already," kind of thing. And that could just be this a very um, well prepared split personality or thought through split personality, however that works. Or that's like the sort of little slip ups that will come up. Mm-hmm. But then, in the same manner, she spills the coffee on herself to go to the bathroom, and she makes many anecdotes of how they would use the bathroom as a point to switch over. So you think they switched during that interview? So, so I then became convinced ah. that they've switched during the interview itself. I don't know um, how they could possibly do that because they're in a police station. How could they? How could they? How could they do that? You know? Well, yeah, obviously there's 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 limits to it. But she comes out wearing different clothes, and she says mm-hmm. something like, "Oh, lucky I had a spare pair of clothes with me." No, I'm okay. Fuck. Mm. Um, I think. Uh, similarly, I seem to remember points where they say she repeats herself, but word for word verbatim, mm-hmm. as if it was an agreed line that this is this is the line for how you respond to where you were when you, she drove up to Glasgow. Um, but again, those are things where I think I just either it's real or I've just accrued that as filling the gaps mm-hmm. in my own theory. But um, I mean the other <clears throat> so there's two. The two twists to her story, the two endings. The, the first one is you, you realize, oh, it's not one person, it's two. And that makes a lot more sense. Um, if, if you told somebody that right off the bat, then they'd have it solved very, very quickly, I think. Because that is part of it is she talks about her sister Eve, and you don't think, oh, they're actually like identical twins or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then twist two is that you are Hannah's daughter. That's the character you play. Um, and you, so once you get to a certain part, you solve lots of clues. And then um, once you have looked at enough clips, which the game you know deems you to need to look at, that this is where the editing comes in again. Mm-hmm. So I said, right, well, here's a few bits you're going to need to piece together the story. Once you've found all of those, you get a chat window pops up, and that takes you to the end of the game. 
um and your friend or whoever it is says um do you understand why you, your mother did what she did and then you go oh what uh, what uh, uh. and then your brain starts to dribble out of your nose <laughs> and it's, it, i mean this whole game is uh you know a shining example for less is more yeah um there's such a a wonderful minimalist touch in it like even that moment where the chat window comes up that and i was waiting for that like i said i was waiting for the moment where i'm gonna have to go and demonstrate some or perform based on what i've seen yeah so i'm thinking all right are you ready like all right we're going upstairs and we're going into the courtroom or something you you thought it was going to go a bit 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 phoenix right possibly objection (laughs) um uh look at the bruise uh look at the tattoo um and it, and it's 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 a four line exchange. He says, "Are you finished? Have you found mm. what you're looking for?" To which you can yeah. say yes or no. I said no. And then she said, "Okay, well, let me know when okay. you have." Yeah. yeah, well, let me know when you have. And then it's um, yeah, uh, that that reveal of SB, and you see your username is SB. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, then looking back through the videos, I you punch in Sarah, and she makes mention of how she wanted to name her child, uh, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, how Hannah didn't want to call her Eve because that name was a palindrome. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, that's the other trick is that they're both palindromic names. Uh, so it does a lot of stuff like that to uh, keep you on your toes. And that's where I think you can make, there is probably a pretty good argument for them being the same person when she talks about playing with, uh, when they would both play in the attic, how she talks about her reflection. I'm going like, go to I'm just going to go on to Wikipedia. To see if um, people are arguing about this in the talk. Good. It's one right, person. It. It's two people. It's two rubbish. Okay. But she, they describe each other as being their reflection. And when one becomes pregnant, when mm. the other is apparently um, infertile, she says that she didn't see her reflection anymore. And that's when the relationship really starts to poison and become uh, toxic. Um, it doesn't actually talk about the plot at all. That's probably um, quite good. Well, I'm just looking at um, Sam Barlow's development. He says he said he'd been left down by Ellie Noir, saying he never felt like he was being an awesome detective, having to read things and follow up threads of investigation. Completely agree f- with that. He thought the Phoenix Wright series did better, but he felt the game was too rigid and tried to make the player feel clever rather than allowing them full freedom to solve cases themselves. Um, and he also cites heavily publicized trials like those of Amanda Knox as inspiration for the game's format, which sounds pretty much spot on. Yeah. So even when when you said the ones, it, it gives you that reveal of of who you're playing as. Um, once you've solved enough of the puzzles, there is no explicit puzzles like in the game. Like that that puzzle exists purely in you, uh, like in your desire to find out what happened to this case. Mm-hmm. Um, like I say, it evolved from that just general want to know what's happening, who are the main players in this, and then becoming invested to the point of what's happening and now i'm left with what is probably the better ending of i like i want i yearn for that like concrete conclusion to this yeah but it's not going to give me that and that is going to mean i'm going to think about it more and yeah it's, it's better, probably the it's better, better to not have a concrete ending absolutely there, there probably is a, a flaming neogaf thread right now oh there's lots of people um, saying so here's so this is the steam discussion in the spoilers thread there's one called why they're twins if you believe they're the same person did Eve kill Hannah? Uh, take it easy, friends. There is no murder at all. It's like, well, <laughs> that is true. They are actors. Um, yeah. No Gladstone Street in Portsmouth. So what? It's fiction. There's no. There's also no Hannah and Eve. Well, We're gonna get pedantic about it. She makes mention of drive. Well, there's little things like that even. Um, where I think if you're probably not from the UK, you might not. Mm. You you'll draw different conclusions as part of her alibi. She says that she drove up to Glasgow following one of their fl- uh, fights. Yeah. Now Portsmouth is the very, very south coast of England, <laughs> just at the cliff edge before humanity falls back into the ocean. <laughs> and um, I lived there; it was a wonderful place. And then Glasgow is basically the same thing, but up north. So it's to drive that end to end is what eight, eight, nine hours. Yeah, about that. Yeah. And she just like says that she drove up and then fell asleep, then drove back. As soon as that was established, and they established like that she's in Portsmouth and a completely different clip from the whole Glasgow stuff, that threw that into complete suspicion for me. Whereas before mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well maybe she drove to Glasgow and, but yeah, there's just lots of little aha moments. 
Um, um, the the other thing is um, that Neil's the they are twins theory is the lie detector test because the only question she fails is when they ask her who she is. Yes, my name is Hannah Smith. Oh, shit. Sorry. And, and then she and uh, that's one of the weird things if you're if you're trying to be a completionist, you have to search for yes and no in uh, quote marks. That's what gets you the, the the last block of clips. They're all lie detector questions. Uh, okay. It's almost course. like a it's almost like an Easter egg. But the one question she gets wrong is when they ask her what her name is, and she says, "I'm Hannah," which is that and that was presumably the question she gets wrong. My name. That was the only question I failed. <laughs> Your lie detector works. So there's a. Well, I guess one of the things we've we've not mentioned explicitly is that you never hear what the questions are. You only have yeah, the responses. Yeah. And so there is just a, a very nice enjoyment in listening to an answer, and then you you can realize what the question is either from her reaction. You could have done this game in different ways, right? You could have, you could have been presented with a dialogue tree, where you were prompting those questions, and then you would get the response. And yeah, I just think of how rote and how dry that would have felt. That is the that is the La Noir method, isn't it? Really. Yeah, I I think this is where I totally agree with what Sam Barlow said about La Noir as a failure. I think La Noir was a big success at setting the scene of La. It was very good, like like most of Rockstar's games, it's very That's good at it. world building. But actually, the the story is pretty bad. The action all kind of falls apart. It's like I've, I've never played GTA Five, but certainly GTA Four is a brilliant world with a lot of boringness going on inside of it. That's why people play it as a sandbox. But I think like with La Noir. It was those interrogation scenes and the evidence. It all felt so forced and so fake. And you never, you didn't feel like you were solving the crimes. You felt like you were, it was like a hidden object game where you were trying oh, to find, almost. trying to find the evidence. And then I I find that the interviews were really, really difficult. Um, I know um, my friend Jake Tucker's written about this, about what it's like to play L.A. Noir with Asperger's. And he right. said that he found it very hard to tell what people were thinking and to get through those examinations and i was like no no mate it's nothing to do with the aspergers <laughs> it's to do with the the way the game was made and also the thing with la noir was that you could do i think you could say truth doubt or lie but originally it was meant to be truth force lie and that's why he gets so angry uh whenever he's going like you didn't do that it, it, it seems it's a very it's a very severe way of doubting people yeah and especially because they try to distill what is uh ephemeral thing of being able to read emotions and draw your own yeah. conclusions because they have to distill that into a button press mechanic yeah well why do you um, think they need polygraph machines that you know are measuring uh, i think it's galvanic skill re- skin response so they're expect the idea behind a polygraph machine is that it is more stressful for you to lie than to tell the truth and that stress causes a physiological reaction which mm-hmm. makes your skin more conductive because you sweat more i think that is basically it in a nutshell um don't put that as an answer in your criminology exam. But I think it, <laughs> I think that's more or less it. Um, and, and, and why do people need that? Because it, it's very hard to tell what people are thinking. People lie. People have a poker face. Um, mm-hmm. And I think to to think that you could just motion cap a few actors mm-hmm. and you'd be able to tell the truth. It's kind of ludicrous because all of those people are lying in L.A. Noire, right? They're all actors. So none of them are none of them are telling the truth. And it was one of those games that would kind of loop around in most cases as well. So there wasn't really a failure. Here, there isn't a, a, a hard success criteria, right? Like, you could probably hit whatever the keystone clips are in order to get to this chat window ending. But you could have, say, populated all the, the latter half of the interviews from when she's um, in, the, in the later days. And you'll have a slightly different experience than if you are being very exhaustive. Like, I think I finished it with about three quarters full mm-hmm. of, of clips found. Because you you, there's a, a, a DB database checker, which I didn't know what the hell it was until near the end of the game. And which shows you how many clips you found. And you can, like in you what can do order. It. I had just over half of them whenever I got it, I think. Yeah, okay. So I, because I was going down some fairly... Um, uh, dead end. Yeah, not dead end. Well, yeah, kind of big dead ends. There came a point. I never hit a a a, a hard stop at any point, um, but I do know I was just going more into like the peripheral details of things. And I think the final 
key piece that fell into place was um about the affair that Eve had with Simon mm-hmm. and how then that was when Eve hit Hannah or Hannah hit Eve. Yeah. And then there was like, I'd already had the, the mirror um, being the murder weapon at this point. So all I just had was like, I don't know why they've acted like that. Like, I know she's jealous. I know. Then there's a question mark and then she kills him with the mirror. I don't know what triggered that. actual. It actually incident. took me a really long time to, um, figure out what had actually happened to Simon mm-hmm. because I got so engrossed in the, the Eve and the twin story and I never thought to search for something like body, which would have told yeah. me exactly where he was. Um, I, I had lost and, that, and that's what, that's, what's cool is that it's not a who done it. It's a why done it. Yeah. It's, it's set up that way right from the start. And I think it's very good at rather than you, you start off and you think you're trying to solve a murder, but actually it becomes very, very clear. Um, just the way Barlow cuts the story together, it becomes very clear that, you're not you're trying to figure out why she did what she did. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's that's why it's her story. It's not who killed Simon. Yeah. Because it is about her story. And that's that's a really interesting bit. I mean, the the who done it, if you just search through did you find that as well? Did you after the first little while of playing, you were no longer concerned with finding out about Simon and you just wanted to know about Hannah? Is that is that how you felt as well? Or did you did you get did you figure it out quite quickly that she had done it and then learn more? No, I did I didn't know I, I I suspected it was either Hannah or Eve, um, at that point. Like initially going through it, I thought it would be I thought it was like a third person, like mm. you would find another oh, okay. person, another character, and it would be them. Be it the maid at the rock, like initially it was like, oh, that's who Simon had the affair with, and then maybe <laughs> Hannah, yeah, yeah, maybe Hannah he got because he likes blondes, but the blonde that he likes is Eve in her blonde wig. Yeah, and um, and 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 so. I was always knew it was going to be them, and they mentioned how they had their parents died from being poisoned by a mushroom, despite yeah. her father being an expert mushroom picker. You would know that a death cap is poisonous or whatever. And I was like, okay, well, maybe one of the twins like killed her parents, either because they discovered this other twin and didn't approve or something there was you know lots of big question marks like i say ambiguous it's never really answered mm-hmm. or it was like an accident or it was the the twin in the attic being jealous of the time that the parents were spending or you know who she saw as her true parents there's lots of points where i thought oh, like oh that's what the story's going to be and then simon will play into that as being a similar oh he's going to take my twin away from me so very much the evil twin whereas i think they're mm-hmm. both compromised characters they're uh, both hannah and eve once it made the distinction of hannah being the good one and eve being the evil one and i kind of finished it not really knowing not really having that concrete a distinction between them what point did you come across the song oh um hmm. oh this is the yeah the weird song about um it's it's supposed to be an old folk song but then it gets really really dark as it goes on is that the one yeah it's uh all the wind and the rain Yes. Oh, um, I got it quite quite early. I think. Yes. I could, I could probably look at my I could probably look at my achievements because that has a timestamp and you get an achievement for it. So okay. I will load up Steam and I will tell you uh, in, a, in a matter of minutes. So it's on it's on my second post-it note. Mm-hmm. Um, and this song, which I'm undoubtedly probably gonna have just played a snippet from now. Two sisters came walking by the sea. Okay, so you're so you're gonna cut it into the podcast. Yeah, I'll cut. I'll probably cut in clips where I can. Okay. Um, not too much of it though, because it's really long and repetitive. No, no, not not the song. I yeah, I'll, I'll do a snippet of the song and then okay. bits of the game. As well, oh, right? oh yeah, yeah. Um, but the song itself tells a story which is set up like a what I thought was going to be an analogy for the whole game. Okay, so I'll I'll give you the I'll give you the timeline. Is that um, let's see, I found it about the tattoo at two o'clock. Found it about the wind and rain ballad at three o'clock, and I finished the game at half past four. Okay, 
I so, so I don't know so when so I I don't know when I <laughs> have you ever eaten fennel? That was a weird achievement. And the last time Simon cooked something off Master Chef, he got the recipe off Seafax, and I did my Lloyd Grossman bit, commenting from the sidelines. I had to find fennel from the supermarket. Have you ever eaten fennel? So I I started I got that at about two two o'clock. So I think it's it must have taken me about three hours to play. I would say. Uh, let's see what have I got. For me, it was one point nine hours. So two hours. Um, the guitar achievement was my second achievement. I got the the fennel one first. Mm-hmm, I got that first as well. Fennel, yeah, and then I got the the ballad, um, the wind and the rain. But there's lots of stuff in there in that song, which appears. Uh, or which echoes parts of the story, like drowning, and then again a, a, a vixen with blonde hair who leads the man astray. That's something where I think if you wanted the, they are one person. If you take the song and their obsession with fairy tales and princesses and princes, um, that's just another like piece of fantasy that she's bought into. What? So you? So hold on. So you're saying that that makes you think that they're not. Or are well, the same person? I think no. I think I, I still think you could go either way. My my view is that they are twins because mm-hmm. I find that more interesting. Like I, I like yeah, that idea. I, I also I don't want people. I think that whole oh you know she's a crazy serial killer. She's got multiple personality disorder. Is is a rubbish way of explaining it. It's 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 really it's really cliched, isn't it? Yeah, I think it, it it's just a, a the one I want it to be is it's two people who have coordinated this yeah life together and this is just another part of it but i think that the because you can see if you go to the, the good old steam forums there's so much discussion behind this and people have my theory i'm not buying the mpd theories why right. the twins there's so much discussion about this and that's because it, it's ambiguous it, it, it's designed to be ambiguous and it's better that way because the whole point is you figuring out your own story the whole point is you trying to piece together what went right so i think that if there was one set answer that you were looking for that would make it inherently less satisfying mm-hmm. than um just yeah you, you you look for your own clips you come to your own conclusion and that is r- as right as anyone else's because yeah. you've all got access to the same information but the order in which we built our stories changed um and that because it's so ambiguous because there's so many things going on those things are naturally going to influence what comes next Whenever you find out about the Eve revelation, then you start watching through all the old clips all the way back from the start again. Um, and that's when it yeah, becomes really interesting. And I've, if you look at my notes, you'll see Hannah in big letters in the in the kind of in the middle, and yep. that is because I didn't know what her name was for quite some time, and I knew yep. about Eve much like a long time before I knew about Hannah. Yeah, I, I, I'm reminded, um, I was listening to an interview with Ken Burns, who's uh, an American documentary maker. He's the guy behind the Ken Burns effect. He's a famous yeah, documentary. <laughs> no, you know, uh, yeah, seriously. No, heard, yeah, I heard, yeah, he's a in the interview. Yeah, it's a, famous I, editor in wildlife, or not wildlife, but yeah, documentary photographer. Ken Burns effect is when you have photos that very lightly glide from one side of the screen to the other with fades and things. Um, yep, so that, he's, is, that is the Ken Burns effect. He's a kind of uh, American history uh, author. And in the interview, it was interesting because he described how he views history and he views it not as a linear line, but like looking up at the stars at night and that you've got all these events, which are these different stars. They're concrete things that happened. But then the way we view history is like the constellations where we connect these discrete events and we go, these three things now make up the whatever American depression. These things make up the Arab Spring. But, you know, there's, there's things that happen and then there's the commentary that's associated with it and how over time those things will, will change as well. And that's what this game kind of was for me is collecting all of those stars and drawing the constellations of what the theories were. And then actually, probably over time, it'll either settle into something fairly concrete or, um, you know, I'll go into it now that I've, I've kind of finished and read other people's theories and what did other people think. Mm-hmm. Um, ambiguity in a story isn't something that I think often happens in games. I think Braid was probably the last one I saw, which I felt could garner a similar type of discussion. But yeah, um, but I think that it, I, I think that 
the fact that it's so ambiguous is almost to its to its detriment. Yes. The the twist at the end of Braid is very clever, but then not having any kind of resolution I find unsatisfying. But I think this is a I think this is a definitive answer to it and that is satisfying. If yeah. you didn't have if you couldn't walk away from this with an answer, then you wouldn't feel like a right detective. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that, that's the whole point. Is that this is why LA Noir is unsatisfying because you're not mm-hmm. figuring out that story. It's why Phoenix Wright, again, you're on a bit of a clue hunt. This one, you can root out things and you can solve the puzzle to an extent. But I think I think your constellation analogy is, is really apt. It's a bit like join the dots, but somebody has removed the numbers from the dots and mm-hmm. you can make any you can make any tapestry you want. Yeah. And then it's up to you whether or not you incorporate those new new dots into existing images or whether they become discarded and yeah, they're just outliers. Turn, just turn them into small shapes of cats and dogs and yeah, stars. Put little wings on it and stuff like do you got any any final thoughts? Because I feel like we've I feel, um, I feel like we've had just, a we've had a yeah, good we've had, we've short had a, and snappy well, discussion. We, well, we've spent probably half as long as I did talking about it as I did playing the game. But <laughs> just, on a, just on a final thought, because we've mentioned detective games, for me, um, this is this is an excellent sort of detective game. Uh, but the best one that I've played remains Blade Runner, mm-hmm. and that is that captures a lot of what we've spoken about in terms of drawing your own conclusions, although it conceals its mechanics and it, they're, um, through it's quite a kind of complex system, but you are collecting clues and analyzing clues and drawing conclusions. The game does give you those recognition moments of like, yes, you have found a key moment and you have to find certain key moments to progress the story. It's not as completely open-ended or this almost like open world as this is where you can set off in any direction. But um, it, Blade Runner did everything that I was hoping that Ellie Noir would do, and Ellie Noir did barely anything of what I loved about about Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I enjoyed Ellie Noir for what it was, but when I got to the end, I thought I'm not playing that again. That was a long thirty hours. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's anything else I can directly compare it to. I um, and I like it for its freshness in the same way that a lot of the games that stick in our minds, like the surprisingly good games like your Portals mm-hmm. and your Braids, um. I really like those games to their freshness, but I'm not looking forward to whenever this gets ripped off and appropriated to an extent. It's fresh now, but I wouldn't want to see a raft of FMV games because I don't think they'd be done quite as well. It's not. I think it's not a good game because it is novel. It's a good game because it has been edited very, very well. And that, mm-hmm. to me, is that's what makes it a well-designed game, is the way those clips are chopped up. That is the, that's the stroke of genius behind it. And that yeah. is why it is good and, not, and and you're not just, you know, as you say, working through text conversations or watching seven linear interviews, and it goes, "Did you get it?" Because if yeah. you think about old FMV games like Night Trap and things like that, um, those are linear stories. And what you don't know if you ever played Night Trap, but the idea was these you were trying to protect these kids in a house yeah, from being abducted house. by monsters, and you cut between various cameras and launch traps and things. But that's exactly. a linear timeline, and you it's a bit like Five Nights at Freddy's, right? Like that's not an FMV game, but the similar cutting between cameras thing. I had that down as like as probably the most recent and um, or closest comparison to this game. Completely different in tone and objective, mm. but yeah, it, it, it felt like a five um, night at Freddy's. Um, but I also like that um, you're not sure if her story is a horror game or not, um, and actually you're not sure if it's going to be a scary game or not because it's very ominous. And a lot of the music, the, the ambient music, is quite ominous, but it, mm-hmm. it's not. It's not really. It's not a not a horror at all. Um, I know I've got a couple of friends who don't play games but like films. I'm very interested to see what they think of it. Yeah, it is. You know, I'm I'm not one who who likes to play the argument of video games are great because they can do this thing that no other medium can do. Therefore, they are better. Yeah. But you couldn't tell this story in a book or a film. No, or, you couldn't. Or you couldn't. or through through audio. Um, the the whole beauty of it is that being able to piece together the mosaic and in whatever way you happen to come across it. I think um, in, in movie terms, the closest thing is obviously something like Memento or Irreversible, where you do have a, a non-linear mm. plot. Um, yeah, Memento would be the, the obvious one. But again, it's um, it's a linear story being told backwards. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a non-linear plot, but a linear experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think someone described it as the difference between plot and story. I forget which is which. So. Almost the, or or Pulp Fiction, I guess. If you want to look at non-linear vignettes, you have to piece together. 
Yeah, but it would almost be as, as if you could watch all of John Travolta's bits first and then bits of Bruce uh, Willis's stuff and, you know, it, it. you could completely lose the pacing. Well, you would lose completely the pacing <laughs> of it. Yeah, it wouldn't be quite as good. Um, but yep. um, speaking of pacing, I think we've reached the end of this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, you can... You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Split Screen Net. You can like us on Facebook. Don't know why you would, but you can. Um, and you can find lots of writing from ourselves at split-screen.net. Or you can go to 5out10magazine.com and buy the magazine. And uh, that's, In fact, that's probably preferable. Yeah, do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can go to uh, either the Patreon and support us through that way. You can buy individual issues, or you can go to the website and get free, lovely desktop wallpapers, which are coming out every month. Sometimes at the start of the month, sometimes a week after when I go, oh shit, I forgot to do one for this month. Yeah, Craig's not great with dates. He famously messed up the release date for the orange box. So it's like, we we, we see um, our desktop calendars, like her story, as being non-linear, and you can approach the days in any order you like. Yes, and in honour of that, I will be releasing this podcast as 16 fragmented... <laughs> that happened which, before. Which, I, I I can't believe that that they we recorded a podcast once and it chopped your stream into forty parts. We could have done her story two years ago. <laughs> really? Okay. He's the best. Against you. <laughs>